Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. In this short, I will explain seven life lessons that we learn from the temptation of Jesus in Luke 4. These lessons not only tell us what Jesus went through, but also how he defeated temptation. So, by looking to Jesus as our example, we can navigate a path to victory. Granted, resisting temptation requires more than just head knowledge and an awareness of strategies. It requires having a genuine relationship with Jesus. He is our substitute, and He defeated temptation for us. Trusting in the One, who was already victorious, is therefore the key to victory. Our theme verses come from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. The setting is right after Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. The text says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. The first lesson on temptation is that temptation has timing. I am going to say something that may seem a bit strange. A time when we are particularly likely to be tempted is when we are very spiritual. That's right. Temptation likes to rear its ugly head when we are the most pious, the most obedient, and the closest to God. It is when we delight in God the most and experience His favor the most that we are in the most danger. It's no surprise, then, that the temptation of Christ follows right after His baptism in Luke 3. There by the river Jordan, the heavens opened up, and God the Father looks down on His Son and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God expressed His delight in His Son because His Son walked in all of His Father's ways. Furthermore, Luke 4.1 then tells us that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus was tempted, he enjoyed intimacy and deep fellowship with the Father. Jesus was very spiritual, and the devil could not stand it. He could not stand it because he cannot get a foothold into a spiritual person's heart. He cannot stand anyone who is heavenly minded. So he tries to get your head out of the clouds and down into the muck. Temptation has timing, and that timing is opportune when you are the most spiritual. The case of the prophet Elijah is another example of temptation's timing. In 1 Kings 18, God used the prophet Elijah to turn thousands of wavering Israelites back to the Lord. What happens one chapter later? 
In 1 Kings 19, Elijah is suicidal. In Elijah's case, a big low followed a big high, since a servant of God is much less effective when they are low. For all Christians, knowledge of temptation's timing alerts us that when we feel like we're on top or genuinely close to the Lord, it's time to be on guard because the devil is busy trying to lure us away with temptation. Practically speaking, this means preparing your expectations so that after you do anything God-glorifying, get ready for potential attacks. For the devil, getting you tripped up is the point so that you can get derailed off the path where God uses you for tremendous good. The timing of temptation works after something big, it also works the other way as well. An opportune time to tempt exists before you do something big. The temptation of Jesus is the event that immediately preceded his public ministry. Had Jesus felt the temptation, he would have been disqualified as the Messiah and he would not have gone the rescue mission for humanity. If Jesus gave into temptation, then there would be no path for sinners to be saved. This certainly was something really big the devil did not want to see happen, so he tried to mess it up before it got started. The second lesson on temptation is that our temptations are not accidental. Luke 4, 1-2 says that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Pay attention that it was God who led Christ to be tempted. This means that Christ's temptation was no accident because God was the one who led him into it in the first place. Indeed, our temptations are not accidental since the Holy Spirit presides over our trials. The trials are an exercise of faith. The devil may use temptation as a weapon to defeat us, but God uses temptation to test us. By the power of the Spirit, when we pass the test, the temptation is actually a weapon that defeats the devil. Our temptations are not accidental because God never allows us to be tempted beyond what we are able. For scripture references, see 1 Corinthians 10.13. Our temptations are not accidental, so even when God leads us to endure a trial, we are safe because He is with us. The third lesson on temptation is that the environment is not the determining factor. If you looked around in Jesus' environment in His temptation, what you would find is a lot of nothing. He was in the Judean wilderness, which is what we would call a barren wasteland. No food, no water, no sources of encouragement, no friends, nothing. His environment was lacking in any advantage but full of plenty of disadvantages. Yet, Christ was not defeated. He was victorious. This tells us that what was determinant in Christ's victory over temptation was not what was on the outside. It was what was on the inside. What was inside was fullness of the Holy Spirit. The point is simple. You can tweak your environment all you want, but winning the battle of temptation is not an outside game, it's an inside one. It's a spiritual battle that requires filling with the Holy Spirit, not minimizing exposures or mere avoidance. A Spirit-empowered person has the best there is, God Himself. They are therefore already satisfied in God and refuse to settle for anything less than the best there is. The fourth lesson on temptation is to realize what is at stake. The devil begins his temptations in Luke chapter 4 verses 3 to 5. He invites Jesus to use his power and miraculously turn stones into bread. After all, Jesus was fasting for 40 days. But why would Jesus ever listen to the devil's suggestion? He wouldn't because Jesus would not perform a miracle just to satisfy his hunger. 
Miracles were not designed for personal use. They were intended to be a sign to validate the messenger of God's word. But even more than that, if Jesus turned stones into bread, this would entail two dangerous errors. It would involve trusting in the devil's logic and distrusting that God would not provide his son's sustenance in the wilderness. If Jesus did any of those things, he would be disqualified from being the Messiah and the rescue mission for humanity would fail. Jesus realized what was at stake was salvation for the lost. This temptation was bigger than the one being tempted. Thus, because Jesus realized what was at stake, he did not take the bait. Sadly, people take the bait all the time. They listen to the devil's suggestions every minute of every day because they don't realize what is at stake. Satan always offers something that seems profitable right now, but there is always a catch so that you always lose in the end. What's at stake is therefore everything. You, your health, your family, your associations, your mind, and most importantly, your relationship with God. Realize that the devil always desires for you to sacrifice the future for the present. Also realize that the future is much more valuable than the present. Realize the devil always wants you to settle for something less than now while God has the best prepared for you later on in his time. Don't settle for the devil's crumbs. The fifth lesson on temptation is that evil can often look very beautiful. When people think temptation, they may think of things that are obviously bad, like greed, abuse of power, illicit sex, and drugs. But those are the easy temptations because you know they are temptations. The devil does not actually have to tempt us to do those things because they are downward temptations. Our own fallen nature is perfectly capable of driving us to do them. Oftentimes, the evil that animates temptation is packaged in such an attractive way, falling for temptation actually seems like it's a good idea. It seems like a good idea because the evil inside of it actually is made to look so beautiful. Overall, when the devil tempts Jesus in Luke chapter 4 verse 3 to 12, on the surface, all the temptations don't seem all that bad. The devil tempts Jesus with bread, authority, and safety. He tempts him to feed himself, to take authority over the kingdom of earth, and to demonstrate God's loving protection of his son. The devil tempts Jesus by tempting him upward. He literally leads Jesus to a high place and says, If you bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. Satan was not offering Jesus illicit sex or drugs. He was offering him a kingdom that Jesus could rule for good. This could be Jesus' chance to rule the world, rid it of evil, and enact policies full of truth, justice, and righteousness. On the surface then, this temptation did not seem so bad, but the catch was that Jesus fall down and worship Lucifer. We serve what we worship, so if Jesus fell down and worshiped the devil, the devil would be the one who was really in charge. This is the catch with all upward temptations. You reach as if you're going up, only to fall down. Often an upward temptation looks so beautiful, it isn't even perceived as sin. It's perceived as a chance for self-advancement and therefore a reasonable opportunity. I say all of that to draw your attention to the simple fact that real palpable evil exists in this world. But evil exists because everyday people fall for the upward temptation and take a hold of something good without God. Now the good thing becomes a bad thing because it's the only thing that matters. 
No one goes to bed normal and wakes up Hitler. Instead, they take gradual small steps that seem beautiful while the evil behind those steps is grotesque. Just like the devil tried with Jesus, if anyone ever shows you something that inflames your imagination, be careful. Your imagination may be inflamed so much, you may push God out in pursuit of that fantasy. If you take hold of something striking and desire it more than God, that's when you know you have met beautiful evil. The sixth lesson on temptation is to realize that temptation is not an event. It's a battle that lasts a lifetime. At the end of the temptation narrative, Luke 4.13 says, When the devil had finished every temptation, he left Jesus until an opportune time. This verse tells us about the end of an episode of temptation, but Satan's eagerness to tempt never ends. He is always looking for an opportune time to tempt, but the irony is an opportune time for him usually is an inopportune time for us. The rest of the New Testament tells us that even when Satan did not attack Jesus directly, he went after his disciples. All of that is the bad news. The good news is that Luke 4.13 tells us that the devil left Jesus. He departed because Jesus resisted, and when we resist, the devil will flee. So in many ways, the fact that the devil is always looking to tempt serves God's purposes because the more the devil tempts, the more believers learn to resist, and when they resist, the devil will flee. What the devil intends for our defeat ends up being a method for God's glory. The devil may desire our destruction, but his power is far inferior to his will. Ultimately, God always sets a limit around the devil's assaults, so when we seek refuge in Christ, the devil retreats. God never flees his children, so although temptation is a battle that lasts a lifetime, you are not alone. You are in the eternal refuge of God. You are never so much in the devil's hands that you are out of the divine protection of your gracious and sovereign Lord. Flee to God and the devil will flee from you. You can flee to God in the height of temptation by calling out to Jesus. You can pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I am tempted to do that which is not in your will. I am weak and left to myself, I am powerless. This is why I come to you, Lord Jesus, and rest in you. In your word it says that I ought to cast my burdens upon you, and you will sustain me. Sustain me now, O Lord, so that I will not waver from obedience to you. Lord, by your grace, strengthen me with your power, shield me from temptation, and equip me not to be moved. God, have mercy upon me, because by your grace alone will I be able to endure. Amen. The seventh and final lesson relates to number six. The seventh lesson on temptation is that we are never meant to escape temptation, but to resist it. As James 4.7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Jesus is the one who successfully resisted the devil, so he is the key to our victory. And how did Jesus resist? Along with watchfulness, indwelling of the Holy Spirit and prayer, he used scripture. Scripture is the essential weapon that believers wield, but we're not just quoting verses or throwing an inanimate book at the devil. Scripture is a weapon when we believe the God who breathed out the Scripture. Scripture is a weapon when we trust the one that the Scripture is about. Scripture is a weapon when we believe that all of God's words are true and trustworthy, and therefore we rest in the promises of our Heavenly Father. 
When you believe the God of the Bible, you are never so tempted that there will not be a means of escape. God permits you to be tempted because he has a good purpose for you by you being tempted. He wants to show you that spiritual battles cannot be fought with natural weapons. He wants to show you that all the devil's promises are not trustworthy. He wants to show you that by trusting him, he will equip and empower you to resist. He wants to demonstrate that although right now you become weary struggling, he has a heavenly reward for you. Satan will tempt us to bring out the worst, but God allows to happen to bring out our best. The Lord may let you be put into the fire, but the fire shall neither burn nor consume you. It will refine you to reflect the glory and majesty of the Most High all the more brilliantly. We have now come to the end of the seven lessons on temptation. While there is no freedom from temptation in this life, God has secured our freedom through His Son, who already defeated temptation. He is our example, our substitute, and our refuge. Resisting the devil, therefore, is not about knowing something about God. It's about knowing God and believing Jesus Christ, the Savior and Deliverer of all of the elect from all temptations. Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.